the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. When you recognize that God is owner of everything, it naturally produces a thankful heart because you begin to realize that everything I have is from God. Thank you, Lord. Everything I enjoy is from you. Thank you, Lord. All the money in my bank account is yours. Thank you. My job that you've given me, the health that you've given me, my family, everything that I have and everything I'm about is from you. And so it creates, it generates then a heart of thankfulness because you're not laying claim to everything. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through First Chronicles. Do you realize that your life, your choices, your possessions, your family, even your kids belong to God? God merely entrusts these things to us for us to enjoy and oversee. When we dare to think that they really belong to us, we become selfish and greedy. God isn't pleased by this, as we'll hear in today's message. King David had to learn this lesson, and so do we. Once we recognize God's ownership on our life, we become grateful. Pastor Gary shares two more things that happen when we recognize God's ownership. Listen and find out. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for part two of today's message titled, Ownership. This is what God did for Israel. The people of Israel were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And God miraculously delivered them. He ransomed them. He brought them out of Egypt and took them to the promised land. And therefore, every time they were counted, he says, now pay a ransom offering unto me to the house of the Lord so that you will never forget that you have been ransomed and redeemed and you belong to me. David missed this. First of all, God never ordered the census to be taken. The Bible says what in verse 1? Satan rose up and incited David. What did Satan do? He appealed to David's pride to glory in the number of the Israeli army as if it belonged to him. But it didn't. The army belonged to God. All the Israelites belonged to God, not David. The kingdom belonged to God, not David. The palace was God's, not David. Everything about David and the kingdom of Israel was God's. And David, in this moment, rose up, incited by Satan wanted the men to be counted so that he could lay claim to something that didn't belong to him. That's why God was angry. That's why it was evil. And we need to get this for ourselves. 
because it's about ownership. It's about ownership. Your business is not yours. It's God's. Your company is God's. Your house that you live in is God's. The car that you drive is God's. The money in your bank, it's God's money. Even your children, they belong to God. I know some of you might say, well, wait a minute, they sprang forth from my body. I know, I pushed and grunted and delivered those babies. And the man stood there and watched. I know. (laughs) But who do you think gave you the ability to reproduce? It was God. They belong to God. Even our very lives are God's. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. And what was the price that was paid to redeem and ransom us? Revelation 5, 9 says that Jesus was slain and by his blood he purchased men for God from every nation, tribe, language, and people. The ransom price paid for you and me was the very blood of Jesus Christ. Now guess what? We belong to God. God is the owner of everything. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all who dwell therein. It's all God's. David didn't get it. So what he tried to do was to take glory and credit for something that really belonged to God. And that's why God was angry. And David learned the hard way. He learned the hard way. 70,000 people die in this scene because one man tried to lay claim to something that didn't belong to him. Folks, listen, everything we have and everything we don't have, it all belongs to God. Everything that you've achieved, accomplished, everything about you is because of God's favor, grace, and God's abundance and supply. Now, I know some of you might say, well, wait a minute, you know, Pastor G, wait a minute, I worked hard for what I have. I've accomplished a lot over the course of my life. I've worked hard, blood, sweat, and tears. I got what I got because I worked hard, and I'm skilled and accomplished, and I did what I did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Sure you did. I'm sorry to bust your bubble. You're just not that smart or skilled. None of us is. It's God who, by His favor, has lavished upon us all that we have and all that we've accomplished. It all belongs to Him. Even the ability, Deuteronomy 8, 18 says that God makes it possible for us. The ability to produce wealth is from God, and so he confirms his covenant. It's all his, and it's all from him. And David didn't understand this. And as a result, 70,000 people died. Now, the second story, he gets it. Go to chapter 29. I want you to see the contrast of this story, but it's the same theme. It's all about ownership. In the second story here, David has it in his heart to build a temple for God. It's a noble thing, because when you look at the history of the Israelites, there's never up to this point been a permanent structure. There's never been a permanent building for the Lord from the days of Moses until David, 450 years, God's house was a tent. It was a tabernacle of the Lord. God gave instructions to Moses how to fashion it, and Moses did, and they would pick up the tent and move along through the wilderness wanderings all through the period between Egypt and the promised land. And even at this point, the tabernacle of God, the tent, is the house of God. And at this particular time, it's located at a place called Gibeon. And David had it in his heart, I'm going to bring everything up here to Jerusalem. The Ark of the Covenant was specifically moved there. But David says, I'm going to build a whole house to the Lord. I'm going to put it right here on the threshing floor of Aaron now, the very place that I purchased on the peak here of Mount Moriah. And we're just going to have a permanent dwelling place for God. Now, that was in his heart. It's a good thing. It's a noble thing. But God comes to David and he says, David, I hear your heart, but you're not the one to build for me a temple. 
You're not the one going to build me a house. God says to David, you are a man of war, and your hands have shed blood. My house will not be built by a man of war. My house will be built by a man of peace. He says to David, your son Solomon will build me a house. Solomon's name in Hebrew is pronounced Shlomo, and it comes from the Hebrew word Shalom. Solomon's name means peace. God says, your son Solomon will build me a house. Thank you very much, but it'll be Solomon who builds me a house. Now, David, however, does have the right to do two things. David then will be inspired with the plans for the building, the drawings, the design. And David will also put out the plea to the people to give generously towards the building of the temple of the Lord. In fact, the Bible says here in chapter 29, in verse 4, that David even threw in some of his own personal treasuries. It says in verse 4, 3,000 talents of gold and 7,000 talents of silver. 3,000 talents of gold. A single talent was 75 pounds. 3,000 times 75 pounds of gold. Do you know what that would be valued at today? I came prepared. <laughs> I looked it up. Friday, gold closed at $1,124 an ounce. Now you multiply that by today's standards. Just the gold value he gave of himself Four billion dollars. That's with a B. Four billion dollars. It's incredible how expensive the temple of the Lord was in those days because everything was lined with gold. The complete interior, the walls, the ceiling, the floor. The articles, most of the articles were made out of gold. Everything was just incredibly ornate for the Lord. And so David even gives four billion dollars of his own money in the process here. But when he puts the word out for the people to give, notice what it says here. I want you to circle three words that describe the generosity of the people. In verse six, it says they gave willingly, willingly. In verse nine, it says they gave freely. And in verse nine, also it says they gave wholeheartedly, willingly, freely, and wholeheartedly. And when they did, all the people rejoice, and then David rejoices too at the wonderful response of the people. And here in chapter 29, I want you to see how David just bursts out into this prayer of praise and thanksgiving. I'm going to read verses 10 through 16. Look here in chapter 29, verse 10. It says, David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord. God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. Notice this. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. See how he gets it now? He gets it. Everything in heaven and earth is yours. He says, yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. He goes on, he says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. O oh Lord, our God, for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. Do you see how he gets it here? 
He gets it now. I mean, it was a very tragic and hard lesson to learn. 70,000 people had to die in order for him to understand ownership. But it's all God's. Everything is God's. He says, even what we've given to build you a temple for you has come from you. It's all yours, Lord. He understands ownership. And in the last 10 minutes we have left, I want to suggest to you three things that naturally occur when we make God, when we acknowledge that God is the rightful owner of everything, there are three things that it naturally produces. The first thing that it naturally produces is a thankful heart. When you recognize that God is owner of everything, it naturally produces a thankful heart because you begin to realize that everything I have is from God. Thank you, Lord. Everything I enjoy is from you. Thank you, Lord. All the money in my bank account is yours. Thank you. My job that you've given me, the health that you've given me, my family, everything that I have and everything I'm about is from you. And so it creates, it generates then a heart of thankfulness because you're not laying claim to everything. You know, when somebody thinks that they did everything themselves, you're not going to really thank God because you're thinking, I did all this. It was the work of my hands. It was my own personal accomplishment. But then when you step back and realize, well, even the ability to accomplish what I've accomplished, even that skill and the knowledge and whatever and the gifts have come and the talents from the Lord, then you can become very thankful rather than very selfish about all that you have and all that you are. The second thing that it naturally produces is a generous hand. You see, the people in this story here in chapter 29 were so willing and generous to give because they realized it wasn't theirs to hoard. If you think to yourself that the ability to get money and the ability to keep money is all on you, then you will naturally want to hoard it. You will naturally want to protect it. You will be very conservative with it. Nothing wrong with saving. We should all be practicing saving as a discipline. But it's more than that. It's the idea of, I've got to hoard all this and protect it. And worse yet, when people begin to think that it's all up to them and they're in desperate times, then they'll steal it even. Because they think it's all up to me. I've got to grab it, steal it, hoard it. All of this. Whereas when you realize that it's all come from the Lord and God's going to take care of me, now you have greater freedom to be generous because it's all his anyway. And some of you, quite honestly, some of you might have a fear of running out of money that you're going to somehow get at the end of your life and you just won't have enough. And that is a legitimate fear, but it is based on an illegitimate premise because we need to understand that God will always take care of us. And if we trust him, then we don't have to be afraid of running out. David would write later in his life in Psalm 37, 25 and 26. He said, I was young and now I am old. And this I have observed, that God has never let the righteous be forsaken. Neither do their children beg for bread. God always takes care of us and God always will. And when we realize that because he's the owner of everything, then it frees us up to be more generous instead of hoarding it. And let me say this too, I don't want this to sound self-serving or maybe cornerstone serving, but you know, one of the benefits of just going straight through the Bible is, you know, we don't try to park at any one place and try to, you know, drill you with some kind of theme to make you do this or do that, all right? But we just go straight through the Bible. And here we are, and we're talking in this chapter about 
how David just put out the call for the people to give to the building of the Lord. And so this is one of the things that begins to happen here. A thankful heart, a generous hand, and thirdly, it produces a prioritized home. When God is seen and acknowledged as the owner of everything, man, it changes my priorities. When, when you begin to realize that everything in heaven and earth is from the Lord and for the Lord, and that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and all who dwell therein, and that I am not my own, I was bought at a price, I was purchased with the precious blood of Jesus, what it tends to do is it develops in a person a greater sense of surrender. This is all about God. It's what He's done. He's in charge. He's the owner. He's sovereign. And so it brings us to a place of greater surrender. And then we want to prioritize things as a manager or a guardian or a steward of all that God has entrusted to us. Because when we recognize, okay, this all belongs to God, now I want to be careful to manage it properly. So, just for example, in relation to the area of money or finances, the priority that happens in a home then, when you realize that God is the owner of everything, is you begin to live more within your means. You don't spend your money frivolously, because this is God's money. So you want to be careful. You don't want to make these just you know ridiculous purchases. You don't want to be frivolous. You start to pray more about major purchases. And you want to honor God by being generous. And you can't be generous if you're in over your head. 40% of Americans have revolving debt on their credit cards. It's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. If you are in a place where you have constant revolving debt on your credit cards, that's not good stewardship of God's money. You need to be free from that. Most Americans live at 110% of their income, which is the reason why they've maxed out credit cards. And then they're not in a place where they're really in a position to be all that generous. Some of you, I say this with compassion, some of you are saying to yourselves, I want to be more generous, but I'm in so deep in debt that I, I don't know how to be generous. And let me suggest to you that God is honored and will honor His Word. That's why I still believe it's not an Old Testament thing to practice the biblical principle of tithing. Tithing is to give a tenth. Again, some of you are like, well, I'm so strangled as it is now financially. Trust God and begin to practice a way of living as God intended. The tithe in the Bible speaks of a tenth, to give a tenth to the Lord through the church. Now, you know, whenever I talk about tithing, I always get, you know, a few people nicely worded, but, you know, some people say, you know, tithing is really an Old Testament thing, Pastor Gary. We live under the New Testament now. Well, fine, I agree with you. So do more than 10%. God bless you. <laughs> Hey, because seriously, grace does more than the law. Amen? So listen, if you want the freedom to do more than a tenth, I'm not going to stand in your way. But here's the thing. Here's the reality of it. If we honor God with that tenth, man, how God will take care of us. Ideally, ideally, we ought to save a tenth, give a tenth, and live on 80%. John Wesley said, earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. That's a good principle to live by. And so when my life becomes more prioritized because I want to honor God and everything, now I also want to be faithful to honor Him with a tenth. And here's the basic principle, three reasons behind the tithe. Three reasons. One, it's an expression of worship. When you give to the Lord through the church, it's an expression of worship. Secondly, it acknowledges that God is the owner of everything, and you and I are just the stewards and the managers of it. We get to enjoy it, and we must take care of it. But number one, it's an expression of worship. Number two, it's an acknowledgement that God is the owner of everything. And number three, and this is key, 
it is a discipline to practice because the inclination of the human heart is to be greedy and self-sufficient. Tithing then always confronts my heart, the natural tendency to be greedy and self-sufficient and self-reliant. So in practicing it, it honors God and it prioritizes my life. It also, beyond finances and money, you'll start to take care of things better because it's not it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. You know, this whole thing in our world right now, what I call the environmental gospel, because people have made it a gospel now. The environment, you know, if you've been here long enough, you know what I feel about that whole message. It's just like, are you kidding me? Seriously? I mean, you know, go green and my carbon footprint. I have no idea what my carbon footprint is. I don't care what my carbon footprint is. All right? The whole thing about the environmental movement, by the way, it's a reflection of what Paul said in Romans. We'll come to a day when people will worship created things more than the Creator. And that is what is happening. So many people now about save the planet and stuff, hug a tree, eat an acorn. It's just like ridiculous. (laughs) It is ridiculous. But that said, nobody has to say that to me for me to want to take care of God's green earth. Because He's given it to us, He's created it, I want to live in it and manage it properly. So personally, like this is a personal pet peeve, I get really miffed when I see somebody driving and they throw trash out their car window. It just bothers me. And it doesn't bother me because I need to eat a pine cone. It bothers me because it's just like, you know what, you wouldn't do that in your friend's house. You wouldn't just finish a hamburger and throw the wrapper on the floor. Why do we do that to God's green earth? But in other words, when you begin to see God as the owner of everything, you want to take care of things. It's the whole reason that I want to take care of the church, because it's God's church. So, you know, I appreciate the facilities staff that we have here. We have some wonderful folks who help to keep this place clean, but I don't want it to always be on them. If I see trash walking around, I'm going to pick it up. I hope that you also will share that same desire to take care of God's house. If you go into the restroom and you see that 17 people before you have tried to make a three-point shot to the trash can with their paper towel on the way out the door and they missed, then pick it up because it's all about, I want to honor God. This is God's house. This is God's church. And that's the same motivation wanting to take care of you because you're God's people. You were the sheep of his pasture. Okay, you're God's people. You're not mine. I had a pastor call me up years ago. Mad, called me up and said, Pastor Gary, yeah? A lot of my people are coming to your church now. I said, your people? Yeah, a lot of my people are coming to your church now. I said, that's probably why. Because <laughs> they're not your people. They're not my people. They're God's people. They're the sheep of his pasture. Loosen up. Listen, it's all God's. It also, in the idea of prioritization, will help you to care for your children in a different way when you realize that you are entrusted with their care, but they belong to God. And you want to be careful to raise them in the ways of the Lord and to be careful being the steward of what God has entrusted to your care. I never learned this lesson more clearly than when I did a funeral many years ago for a teenage boy. And after the funeral, his mother came up to me and she said, go home and hug your kids but don't hold them too tightly because they don't belong to you. She's right. All of this is entrusted to us, folks. God is the owner of everything. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all who dwell therein. May God be acknowledged as the owner 
of everything. The Book of First Chronicles is a unique look at the life of a man we may already be familiar with. King David didn't have an easy road to the throne, but in everything, God was still his ultimate goal and focus. He stumbled along the way, yet God still called him a man after his own heart. The story of David is encouraging, and we hope today's message has been encouraging to you as well. If you'd like to listen again to today's message, you can find it at cornerstoneconnection.cc. While you're there, search through our archive of other messages or download our mobile app to take Cornerstone Connection with you on the go. You'll also find more information there about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel. If you live in or are visiting the Leesburg area, we'd love to have you come join us for one of our weekend services. Our group of believers gathers each week on Sundays and Wednesdays to get to know each other, study God's Word, and spend time worshiping Him for all He's done. Service times and directions can be found on our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. There's much more to learn from the book of First Chronicles, but that's all we have time for today. Join us again for more from God's Word right here on Cornerstone Connection. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.